Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton. Welcome to the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. It's only been a few short years since cannabis was legalized, and now, as taboos and stigmas fade, academics have a whole new path of inquiry to pursue. The University of Regina's Professor Patrick Neary recently teamed up with the NFL to study the impact of cannabis on concussion injuries. This work could offer new therapies and treatments never dreamed of before. So let's get into it. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Matthew, for having me. I'm quite excited to be here and and, uh, to share uh, this information about this exciting grant with the NFL. Before we dive too much into the grant and the research, let's start off with who are you and what do you do? Matthew, I am an exercise physiologist, um, and that means I study the effects of exercise on the body. I've been doing this for about 30 years now. I'm a faculty member and professor in the uh, Faculty of Kinesiology and Health Studies at the University of Regina. I'm a former student and a a former client of the Kinesiology Center. I've done uh, lots of knee repair work there. I, I truly do believe it was one of the finest healthcare experiences I've ever received. Excellent. If, if you would have had any concussions in the past, you probably would have come to my lab at the U of R and uh, we probably would have dealt with you. <laughs> you know, I was in wrestling and I didn't get concussions. It was mostly like um, joints and strains kind of piece, you know, I wasn't getting bonked in the head too many times. <laughs> Good for you. You were, you were one of the smarter uh, wrestlers then, were you? <laughs> Maybe just lucky. so you said you work on concussion research how do you go down the path of getting into cannabis and concussion research yeah excellent question Um, and as you just mentioned I've been doing concussion research for about 15 years now and about five years ago it it came to uh, uh, my understanding that uh, Uh, Not necessarily cannabis, but the cannabinoids, uh, CBD, which is cannabidiol, THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol. Um, And it's the the CBD that's non-psychoactive, doesn't give you the high. The THC is is the psychoactive or the intoxication part of it and gives you the high. And it came to my attention that um, CBD was being used as an anti-inflammatory agent or property. And so we've got on the planet this wonderful plant that we could potentially use, and it's a natural plant, of course, that we could potentially use as an anti-inflammatory mechanism. And what happens, Matthew, when we get a concussion is that the brain cells, the, the, the neurons, they will leak chemicals. One of those chemicals is calcium. And it's best that calcium stays inside those those neurons. But if we allow calcium to leak out of the neurons in the brain, that calcium actually has an effect on the mitochondria. And the mitochondria are the little power sources or the powerhouse of the cell. And it produces the energy. And so now what happens is the concussion creates this inflammatory effect because calcium is coming out and it's having the wrong effects on the mitochondria which now 
um, uh, it doesn't allow us to produce the energy properly in order to repair the brain. So, so at the same time, we also get this immune response to allow good chemicals to come in and try and repair the damage. And that's the inflammation within the brain. So the idea is that if you take CBD, cannabidiol, it's anti-inflammatory, we can help to reduce some of those negative effects of the, uh, the inflammation on the brain. And, and a majority of this research was first done in, in rodents, rats and mice, and they were looking at that. And then there's been more and more research coming out to show the anti-inflammatory effect of uh, CBD. You said a lot of great things there, and I want to unpack all of it. I guess, first off, let's back up a bit, and I need you to help me understand inflammation. Because when you say inflammation to me, that makes me think, oh, I've got like puffy, swollen muscles. But when you say inflammation, it sounds like something a little bit different. You know, uh, excellent question again, Matthew. And it, it's actually very, very similar. If we were to go out and do a, uh, a resistance training workout or an endurance training workout or any type of physical activity, the body responds by trying to improve the function of the muscle or the heart or whatever we're trying to, uh, to isolate and to activate. And um, yesterday I did uh, a heavy weight workout and I, I know it's tough to tell, you know, I'm, I'm only <laughs> 67 kgs, I'm just a little guy. But, but after that weight workout and the way the body works is it creates this inflammatory response because again, the muscles have been stretched a bit, they've been torn. And the idea for that is to help it to grow bigger and stronger. And likewise, if you do any um, aerobic training, when you get out and you're running or cycling or rowing or kayaking or whatever you're doing, you're activating the muscles. And you activate the muscles in such a way that we're trying to make them better. And in that process, there's going to be some inflammation. There's going to be a, a stretching of the muscle cells a bit, and that's going to allow some of these chemicals to leak out. Which, which, again, it's a positive thing because, again, the body brings in good chemicals to try and repair any of this damage. And so we've got all these little micro traumas going on within the muscle when you're resistance training, but the body built, brings in positive chemicals, you know, um, steroids such as uh, steroids, as well as cortisol, as well as testosterone, all of these natural components that we that the body has in order for us to respond to become better. So it's a very, very similar effect. The only difference is with a concussion is happening in your brain and the inflammation is then being created in the brain. And, and about um, 10 years ago or so, there was uh, what they called the neurometabolic cascade. And I spoke of that calcium. Um, there's potassium that also leaks out. Uh, there's a, a reduction in the amount of glucose and glucose is, is the, the energy for the cell. And so that reduction in glucose is because again, the mitochondria which produce the energy um, are, is actually affected. So, so excellent question in regard to this inflammation. The inflammation is, is very similar throughout the body, although the processes are, are a bit different depending on what the structure actually is. The way you describe inflammation there is kind of like it 
it can be beneficial. It's a little uncomfortable, but it can be, uh, maybe it's a, it's a helpful mechanism. It is. Yeah. It's a helpful mechanism for us to respond to, um, what, what happens if we cut our finger, we're going to get an inflammatory inflammatory response as well. All the good chemicals come in and they, they build up and they, they create some scar tissue and they, they take care of that cut. So that's another example of this inflammatory response. Uh, the COVID virus, for example, also creates an inflammatory response, whether it's in the lungs, in the heart. And, and we've actually just finished publishing some very interesting data looking at COVID in the heart. And I, I bring that up only because uh, most people don't know that concussion also has an effect on the heart. There's, there's a big effect. Um, it's a transient effect and the heart will go back to normal, or at least we think it does. But with a concussion, the heart is also affected. And we've published on that as well. I guess I, I like that COVID piece. I think that's its own whole episode. And I'd love to bring you back to talk about that study because to me, that's, that's really interesting. I, I want to circle back to, before I forget, the concussion piece. So we talked about inflammation it just as a natural thing that happens. But when it comes to a concussion, where my understanding, disabuse me if I'm wrong, of this notion, is you get a concussion, that's a very bad thing. You don't ever want a concussion because it could be a very bad long-term implication for what's going on in your brain. You know, Matthew, it certainly could. Um, if, if at all costs, uh, we need to try and prevent concussions. Um, even, even the small micro um, uh, subconcussive hits, you know, if you take a look at the O-line or the D-line in football, you know, there's this continuous action where they might go through, you know, two, three hundred of these in a game. And if you add that up over the season, what is that actually doing to our brain cells and, and the effects that concussion have? You may also end up with just one concussion and it may, you know, end your, your normal life because you, you may have, uh, you know, disrupted uh, brain cells so bad that um, it will put you out for a long period of time. If you take a look at Sidney Crosby's concussion a number of years ago, he was hit in the shoulder and his head spun sideways. And any of those rotational forces create a worse concussion than if it was going to be front and back. And the other important thing for the listeners and the viewers is that with a concussion, you do not need to hit your head. A whiplash will create a concussion because a concussion is really defined as the movement of the brain inside the skull. And when the brain is moving inside the skull, it's bouncing around inside the skull and it's creating the damage. So at all costs, if we can, we need to try and prevent concussions. And what we're trying to do in this NFL project is can we actually use this natural plant with CBD and THC to mitigate those changes because of the wonderful medical properties that we have in CBD and THC. And so our whole hypothesis is that we believe we can do that. Now we just have to look at that, that using the CBD and the THC and small amounts of the THC to see whether we can actually do that. Are you like reading my mind? Are you in my notes? Did you know that was my next question? 
I, 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 don't, I didn't. No, I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I think, I think your questioning has just led to that explanation, and and uh, you're doing an excellent job here to pull out the information that our uh, our listeners are are wanting to uh, to get uh, and and understand. And I'd then be happy to talk about the three studies that we're planning. So that's probably your next question is, how are you going to do this? And what we're going to do is, is in this project, this NFL project, and, I'm, and I, must, I must say that I'm very, very happy to receive 537,000 US dollars. It's been very, very humbling. And, and I feel very fortunate to be in the chair that I'm in. And I also need to, to also say a, a, a thank you to My Next Health. My Next Health is a, a company out of uh, the United States and Canada. It's a, a, a conglomerate and they're a genetics company. And they've come to the table with another $400,000 US towards the purchase of the CBD that we're going to be buying. So anyway, I, I must thank both the NFL and My Next Health for for helping me move this, I think, vital research along because it's going to have a trickle down effect. It's going to allow, and although professional sport and big business is paying for this, it's going to have a trickle-down effect to that kid on the playground that falls off the monkey bars or falls off the swing, his or her bike, right? So that's the big benefit of all of this, in my opinion. So the first study, Matthew, is what we're going to do is we're going to take a group of, of uh, ice hockey players football players, soccer players, rugby players that are going through heavy bouts of resistance training. And we talked about the inflammation a little bit earlier. And when we're doing resistance training, we have this inflammation. So we're going to do what's called a dose escalation study. We're going to slowly dose them up with more and more and more and more CBD to see, is there an optimal formulation? And then we're going to take blood samples before and after all of this. And it'll be approximately two to three months long. And every 15 days, we're going to add some more CBD to your plate. And then we'll test you before and after and add some more CBD. And those blood samples are then going to be taken by my colleagues at the University of Saskatchewan and Saskatoon, Dr. Jane Elkhorn and Dr. Robert LaPrairie. And they're going to analyze those for how the, 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 uh, the CBD is reacting within the body, something called pharmacokinetics. What's the kinetics of this, this uh, uh, CBD? How, how the, the bioavailability, in other words, how much is actually taken in and used in a positive way? So we're going to look at that, and that'll give us a really good idea of what we think is this optimal formulation of CBD. Then after that first study, and we're going to try and, and get, again, as I said, you know, members of, of uh, uh, the, the Thunder and the Rams and the Huskies and the Hilltops and the Thunderbirds and the Suns out of uh, Kelowna, because this is a multi-center project with uh, the University of Regina at the hub, University of Saskatchewan, University of British Columbia in, uh, in the Okanagan and Kelowna, and also UBC in Vancouver which is aligned with the Children's Hospital, BC Children's Hospital in Vancouver, because we're going to do some MRI, fMRI research to look at the brain. And this is going to be a really exciting aspect of it all as well as, you know, what the heck's going on in the brain? What are the images going on in the brain when we're adding CBD to it? 
And so my, my good friend and colleague, Dr. Bruce Bjornsson, who's a pediatric neurologist, will be doing the imaging stuff in, in our second and third studies. So that's the first study. And, and, and cut me off if, if, I'm, if I'm too excited here or I'm, well, I'm just wanting to continue to talk. You've inspired a question in me. How sure. the hell did you convince the NFL to give you that much money to conduct this study? <laughs> uh, great question. Well, the NFL put out, and again, I have to thank also Elizabeth uh, Thompson. She's my PhD student uh, with, with uh, Dr. Jane Alcorn and myself at the U of S. And Elizabeth put this before me. She said, hey, can you believe this? The NFL is giving out money to look at pain management and concussion. Can we use uh, cannabinoids, medical cannabis, to control pain? And, and you know, Matthew, I, I don't think it's a secret that um, these sports, contact sports, the athletes begin to rely on opioids. And it's sad that, uh, that the sport that they love, all right, are creating these issues and problems later on in life. And, and often, some of them will actually take their lives because they cannot stand the pain any longer, whether it's concussive or whether it's the orthopedic injuries, etc. Anyway, so Elizabeth said, hey, look at this. The NFL has given out some money. They're giving out a million dollars US. Um, why don't we apply? And I thought, well, that's a great idea. I read through the, the information and uh, they focused on, again, pain management. And of course, with my background being concussion, I, I thought, and it's not pain management, I thought, well, how can I weasel into this? How can I weasel in the proposal um, to actually include the CBD because I knew it's anti-inflammatory properties and concussion. So that's the way I proposed it to the NFL is that let's do a dual study here. In the very, like a six-year-old could understand it terms. You're going to take athletes who are experiencing possibly concussions or fatigue or injury, dosing them with some CBD and seeing if it reduces injury or maybe makes the recovery time shorter or could be preventative? Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to summarize it. So moving from, so I hope I asked you your question about how the NFL um, came into play here and how they gave me all this money. Um, so, so then the NFL uh, put a deadline on it. We submitted uh, our, our proposal and, and I've got 14 other members to this team. And I thought one way, because, because the brain doesn't work in isolation. And if, if you take, uh, if you drink coffee, that's going to have effect on your brain. It's going to have an effect on your heart. And, you know, cheers to our, our, our listeners and our viewers. Um, it's going to have an, an effect on your kidneys. It's going to have some effect on your liver. Well, everything that we take into our body can potentially have an effect totally on the, the global body. And CBD does that. So I said, we can't, and, and concussion has an effect on that as well. There's research out. And again, as I said, we've published research to show the heart's affected. There's more research coming to show the interaction with the gut and, uh, and fascinating uh, research coming out. So I thought, well, how can we actually, and, and I knew that the NFL was going to shortlist to 10 uh, proposals. And I said, well, I want to be one of those 10 proposals. So put together a team of exercise physiologists, clinical psychologists, pharmacologists, and pharmacokineticists, 
uh, graduate students, uh, pain management people, uh, sports psychologists, uh, pediatric neurologist, a cardiologist, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Paim Dagani here in, in Regina is a cardiologist, is a part of this team. So, so I think that we put together this awesome team. And how could you turn us down if we want to look at the whole body? And so with all of those individuals, we're going to tackle this project from a global uh, anatomical perspective. So, so we submitted the, the proposal. Um, we were shortlisted to 10. I had to do a presentation to try and convince them that we need, you need to fund our, our research. And then it came back because um, I inquired, they said they were going to fund between three and five proposals. So I thought, you know, that's only maybe $200,000 a piece. It's not a lot of money in it. Although it sounds like a lot of money, uh, $200,000 in, in medical research is not very much. And uh, even the 537000 that we've got um, isn't a lot. And thank goodness that, you know, My Next Health had come to the table with that in-kind uh, donation. So we were we were uh, shortlisted, as I said, and then um, <clears throat> they uh, they said that they're only going to fund two projects and our project and, and one project from the University of Southern California in uh, San Diego is the other one. The one thing that kind of you sparked in my brain was this analogy for F1 car racing where you have these elite drivers and they have all these instruments to measure the cars and the drivers and the effects on their body, but also the, the technology is top of the line. So we think, well, maybe they're just driving through race courses and they're just goofing off with their cars. But what's really been huge for the consumer market is they have like better collision impact, better airbags, better safety protocols for vehicle construction. So over the last 50, 60 years of racing, we've seen a huge boon, a huge benefit to people who want to drive their vehicle just for regular everyday use. And really what I, f what I heard from you was you're going to do that same thing, but with athletes for kids and people like me with knee problems and maybe elderly folks who just want to better manage their pain. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a wonderful segue into, you know, uh, you, you can't do this research alone. And as I mentioned, you know, that I've got a whole number of uh, of academics and graduate students who are also part of this, and and I think that's going to be part of the success. And I think part of the reason why. Um, the NFL decided that they would fund our project is because we've got this collective team of experts and and arguably some of the best people in the world in their particular area are on this proposal. And I'm very excited about that and excited to work with them. I also have to, to thank a Dr. Lester Grinspoon. And actually, there's a pot plant named after <laughs> Dr. Grinspoon. He was a uh, and I had the, the great fortune of meeting him back in 2018 in Boston when I went to a conference and and uh, and Dr. Grinspoon sent an open letter to Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, and said it's criminal. And this was in 2016. It's criminal that you're not allowing your football players to smoke pot because it is neuroprotective. So so I picked that up and I thought, wow, 
Isn't that interesting? Back in 2016, you know, Dr. Grinspoon, and he was a, a Harvard, a University of Harvard psychiatrist, and he's written two books or had written two books. And, you know, I, I take my hat off to him and, and he has now just passed on a couple of years ago. And, and uh, it was actually my son, Seamus, who said, why don't you give this guy a call? So I was sitting on my deck and I thought, you know, I'm thinking about concussion because I'm confronted with it every day. I've got these, you know, young kids coming through my lab. And it's sad to see a 12 year old come into the lab. We do a bunch of tests on them and we can speak about the tests later. And then they leave in worse condition than they come in. And, and I feel so bad about that, but it's helping us to move this whole recovery forward for them and their concussion. So in a way I did, I fired off an email to Dr. Grinspoon and he responded and, and I went to bed. He responded first thing in the morning, there's this email from him thinking, you know, he's got back to me. I thought, wow, you know, one of the eminent uh, professors in the world looking at this particular, and here's my phone number, call me when you get this. So I got on the call, the call with, with, uh, um, with Lester. And at the end of it, I said, you know, Lester, the only, the only downside to all of this is you're the same age as my dad. <laughs> I said, you know, you're, well, I think he was about, uh, I don't know, 80, 88 or something at that time. And, you know, my dad and him almost had identical birthdays a couple of days apart. And I said, oh, you know, Lester, I'm excited to do some of this research with you, but you know, here, I know this is one of the shortcomings of it all. Anyway, we laughed about that. And then of course, uh, you know, that next summer, I, I met him in Boston. And so he's also been very instrumental in helping me, you know, take the blinders off because there's still a huge stigma out there, right? That, uh, you know, this, this uh, marijuana or pot or, you know, all of this stuff. And, and we've got to get away from that stigma. And ha Matthew, had we done this six, seven years ago, uh, I would have said, you're nuts. Me looking at cannabis research, cannabinoid research and concussion, you're not, nothing there. And now, you know, this six or seven years later, um, I'm, I'm very excited about it because I think it'll be able to help. And, and the reason I talked about Lester is because he, we, we actually said, and what he wanted to see in his lifetime, and he said, I don't think I'll see it, but what he wanted to see in his lifetime is to say, okay, Sally and Johnny, take your CBD cannabinoids and go out and play. You know, the little jelly bean sitting on the counter, you know, uh, very similar to the way our parents used to say, go take your multivitamin and go out and play, right? He wanted to, to get to that because he so believed in cannabinoids as a really, really important part of our whole body and our whole body system. And then, and then of course, that got me into thinking, well, how does this all work? And Matthew, we actually have something called the endocannabinoid system. We have a naturally producing cannabis system within our body. So it's something that we need to think about. There's research out to show that this runner's high is probably related to our, our endocannabinoid system and not the endorphins and caflins that we thought it was because they're way too big to go across the blood-brain barrier. So it's got to be another mechanism. And so your runner's high, all right, is probably related to this natural system, which is to help create a balance in the body a homeostasis as we would call it that balance i you know you bring that up and i was sitting here wondering about that 
because, you know, a pandemic happens and I, I wasn't able to be as active as before and I put on a few pounds and the doc's like, man, get back at it, lose some weight. And so I, I got a rowing machine and when I'm going for the first like five, 10 minutes, it, it sucks. It hurts. I'm just miserable. <laughs> I just hate life. I'm just like fucking just get me off this damn machine. But by the time I hit about 15 minutes, the 15, 20 minute mark, you do get that boost, that lift. And I'm like, oh, now I can like, I can pull harder. I can go longer. I can, I could probably give her another 20 minutes. But for that first 10 minutes as I'm spooling up, man, life is hell. And then you said, well, take your cannabinoid pill. I'm like, man, what if I took a cannabinoid pill and then worked out? Maybe I'd have an even better workout on the machine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing <laughs> stupid ideas out here now. Yeah, well, well, I, I do have some ideas in, in that way as well, looking at uh, can we use cannabinoids for for sport and uh, for recovery and performance. And so, so we're going to investigate that too at, at, at some time. How long is this study going to take? Like, this is really exciting stuff. Yeah. So I was just going to talk about that. So it's, it's, we've got funding for three years. And so the first study we're hoping to get study, uh, get started sometime um, in maybe June or July. That's what we'd really hope. And, and to get to that, there's a few hurdles. Uh, in order to use any cannabis products, you have to have Health Canada approval. And so we're going through that process. We have to have ethics from the university. So we're going to have an, an ethics application submitted very shortly as well, just to make sure that you know all of the approvals are, and certificates are in place. And then the second study is going to then take this optimal formulation that we figure out in study one, and then we're going to apply that to a football season. We're going to, again, we're going to see if we can enroll the, the Rams and the Huskies and the Thunderbirds, the Thunder, the Hilltops, the Suns, uh, the, the Langley, I think it's Langley Rams as well. I can't remember, but there's a team in Langley that we might uh, try and, and center on as well. So we're going to look at six or seven different football teams, and we're going to then put it into a, a season of football to see whether or not, one, we can reduce the incidence of concussion and or two, the severity of concussion. So that's the idea. And then and then this, the third study is is more related to the pain management. Um, we're very fortunate in Regina, Saskatchewan, um, in Saskatoon, that uh, we have a lot of ex-NA, uh, uh, CFL football players. We have ex-NHL players. We have, um, you know, the uh, Western Hockey League players. We've got a lot of, of, you know, retired players in this area, rugby as well, that have uh, pains, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis and do and, and are also uh, post-concussion syndrome, people who have had post-concussion syndrome and haven't really got right back to normal, all right? They're functioning on a day-to-day -day basis, but their functioning is much lower. And you asked the question earlier, should we try and avoid concussions? At all costs, we, we need to to do that. So that's the third part of the study is to then enroll individuals to see whether or not we can help to control their pain with the, the study medications that we're going to be using 
and and or can we get them off of their prescription medications, including opioids? Um, they're, they're one of one of the members of our team, Dr. Zach Walsh from UBC Okanagan, has done some research in this area, and and he's a clinical psychologist and and a person in pain and pain management. That uh, that's going to be integral to looking at that data, as well as as at the University of Regina, Thomas, Dr. Thomas Hazrasteropoulos. Um, Thomas is also going to to look at this because he's one of the the premier pain management experts in the world, and so. We, we have at our doorstep here opportunities to use, again, some of the brightest people to help us look at uh, these issues and can we get them off of opioids. So that's the third part of the study. To me, when you say those things, my, my thought line immediately goes to looking at pain management doesn't just mean, oh, I don't hurt anymore. It's about great emotional regulation because when I'm reading these studies about CTE and brain injuries and concussions, we see a rise in shootings and violence, domestic assault. We see uh, families getting torn apart, higher rates of divorce and shorter lifespan. So not only is it about not being physically in pain, but having a better quality of life. And you kind of... Like I said, I think you're reading my notes and, and in my brain before I even ask the question. I wanted to talk about at the end of the day, this sounds like it's it's going to be have all these holistic knockoff uh, uh, beneficial effects on those pieces. You know, it's addressing the source of the problem, not the, the symptoms. If we can make someone not suffer so much in pain, they they don't maybe for lack of a better phrase, snap and kill their family or themselves. Like we can right. save lives. Um, but I'm just speculating. I, is that part of maybe the, the longer term five, 10 year plan? Yeah, I, I think it is, Matthew. And, and again, I, I really want to give back to society in some way. I've been very fortunate in my career. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and certainly in our personal lives as well, things often happen. And, and one of the things that you touched on, and maybe you're reading my mind is that, that if you look at that medicine wheel, the indigenous medicine wheel, they look at the emotional regulation, they look at the physical, they look at the spiritual and they look at the mental. And if one of those is out of balance, right and isn't, isn't working properly, then the other ones are also out of balance. And so if we can help to regulate them physically, that's going to have a huge effect on their emotions, which is going to have a huge effect on their spiritual outlook, which is also going to have a, a bigger impact and effect on their mental outcome as well. So I've often thought about it that way as well, is, is hopefully we can, we can create something here that can benefit us from a holistic perspective. And, and although I'm not going to advocate going out and smoking pot, you know, today or tomorrow. All right. And, and if you do that, that's fine. I don't judge that in any way, shape or form. Um, I, I want to take those components within the marijuana plant. And I want to take those components and use them to the best of our abilities and, and try and provide this for, to, to illustrate and show to humanity. There's also some really good research out in post-traumatic stress disorder and incidences that, uh, and, and we're doing, and, and I'm sure that uh, some of your viewers and listeners will know that we're doing a big project right now with the RCMP, looking at 
post-traumatic stress and incidents and and we're monitoring cardiac function to see whether or not we can help officers cadets uh, uh, not go down that road all right and so there's more and more research coming out in the cannabis as well um, and that could potentially be something in the future as well I mean, if we're diverting people from opioid consumption into something that's non-addictive or perhaps less uh, creates less of a dependency, to me, that sounds like a huge win. Because I, I've talked to Jason McCurdy from Prairie Harm Reduction at, about the kind of impacts and costs the opioid epidemic has caused or cost us um, in, in both life and uh you know, just medical resources trying to manage this crisis. Uh, I just, I see all those little pieces and, uh, you know, that's, you're blowing my mind here today. <laughs> I came into this interview thinking one thing and now I'm, I'm thinking like 10 other things. Good for you. Well, I, I think that's the importance of research and really opening up our, our, our mind to things. And again, as I said, you know, my mind has been really opened up in this whole area. Uh, there's still a stigma and a taboo to it. Um, and, and we need to break down those barriers. And and, uh, and I think, you know, the other reason why potentially we, we were maybe successful with the NFL is that, you know, in Canada, we have, um, you know, the, cannabis is legalized across the whole country. Whereas in the United States, it's not. It's by state. And I think there's about 35 states now that have, have uh, legalization of, of their, their cannabis. So I think that was another important thing as well. It's easy for us to do research in Canada and a little bit more difficult in the United States. So I, I think that was part of it as well. And then you also mentioned about the costs involved. Um, the cost of concussion in Canada alone is somewhere upwards to $5 billion directly and indirectly. Because for example, if your son or daughter or your, your partner ends up with a concussion, you may have to take some time off work in order to deal with that. Uh, take that individual to Wascana Rehab um, or the Dr. Paul Schwann Center to try and, and look at rehabilitation. So there's, there's direct and indirect costs. In the United States alone, it's upwards to $80 billion. And uh, it's a heck of a lot of money to, uh, to, uh, that actually is af uh, affecting, you know, the, the society in many different ways. So if we can help to reduce some of those, you know, healthcare costs, well, let's do it. If someone's been listening to this episode and they're like, man, I really want to read more about Professor Neary's work, where should they go? Um, at the University of Regina, there is a link to the Faculty of Kinesiology and Health Studies. They can click on that link, and then after that, there's a, a research link to um, the the research that's going on within the faculty, and then my, my name will be there as well, and uh, you can click on that and see what's going on. And then there's also some good links as well that the NFL has provided. So if you were to type in NFL um, you know, cannabis research, uh, that would come up as well. And that'll lead you to other links as well. Deadly. <laughs> uh, Professor Neary, I just want to thank you for your time today. Well, thank you, Matthew. Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. And as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about it. And I could talk for the next, uh, you know, half an hour, an hour uh, quite easily. But I'm, I'm also very open. And if people have would like to send me an email to ask me questions, um, that's part of my responsibility at the university is to help and serve in any way we can.
So, and, and uh, yeah, look me up at the University of Regina website and you'll find my email and we can go from there. Rebels. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our brand new Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm going to include all those links Professor Neri just mentioned in the show notes. Be sure to check them out. I'm also proud to let you know that we're members of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. It's a one-stop shop for tons of locally produced pods from across our province. And you can find them at saskpodcastnetwork.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped so you don't miss out on the latest in Sass Craft Beer news. Thank you for joining the Rebellion.